You're listening to the Healthy and Thriving Career Moms podcast, where every week you will learn about healthier habits and hacks to create and support a healthy and thriving lifestyle as a busy mom. I'm your host, Wendy, and I truly believe that the best gift you can give to your family and the world is a healthy, thriving you. Let's dive in. Lovely and welcome to episode 10 of the Healthy and Thriving Career Moms podcast season three. And I have an incredible guest lined up for you today. But before we get stuck in, I just wanted to remind you about a couple of my amazing resources for you, my meal planner, our Facebook community, but also my weekly VIP mailing, because that is where I share so many extra tips, resources, coaching with you. So if you haven't subscribed to any of those resources, check out the link in the show notes and yeah, get involved. So yes, today I am interviewing my amazing friend, Joe, and we're going to be covering some quite difficult subjects around IVF, premature birth. So I just wanted to let you know and give you a heads up of that in advance of the episode. And also just to acknowledge those of you who will be observing World Prematurity Day tomorrow, Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022, if you're listening in the future. And I just know this is a day that is so poignant and that, you know, reflects and, you know, represents so many of our community. And having had so many friends who've been through this experience, I just want to acknowledge what heroes you are. I know it's not easy. And that's why I wanted to talk about these subjects. And if you are somebody who is currently going through fertility journeys, IVF struggles, etc., just know that I get it. And that if you ever want to chat, my DMs are always open because I get it. I know how hard this process and journey can be. Right, let's get stuck into today's episode. So hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Healthy and Thriving Career Moms podcast, where I have my gorgeous friend, Joe Thies, with us today, or Joanna Thies, if we want to be completely professional, although for ages, I was like, I thought it was Joanne, <laughs> and then I was like, no, it's Joanna. Joanna. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know, Joe is like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, how many times have people done that to you over the years? A lot. That's one of my biggest bugbears. I know it is. I'm like, why I'm bringing it up? <laughs> it's Joanna. It's either Joanna or Joe. But I get that with my surname. Everyone puts an S on the end of Griffith and calls me Wendy Griffiths. And I'm like, I'm not Wendy Griffiths. I'm Wendy Griffith. Singular. Yeah. So yeah. I totally get it. But yes, Joe and I met in very unusual circumstances, which we'll go into a little bit more detail about today. But we formed a bond that became unbreakable. And you'll understand why. And from there, we have known each other now, gosh, over six years. We've been through a lot. We are friends first and foremost. We are Arbon business partners as well. And yeah, we've just been on this journey of motherhood together because our daughters are actually only a few months apart. Well, they should have actually been a few months apart. They're actually six months apart. And there's a reason for that. So Joe, just very quickly, tell our audience who you are, where you're from, like, just give us a little bit of a whistle-stop tour, like what you do. And you, you know, are such an inspiring, incredible, healthy and thriving mum in my eyes. So thank you. Thank you. So hi, everybody. I'm Joe, And I am a mum to gorgeous Amelia, a wife, 
to my husband Clive um, I'm over in Hertfordshire which is where we met originally and I work in the corporate world as a learning and development partner and yeah I met Wendy in as Wendy says the most unusual of circumstances and I'm really excited to be here today I feel like um, I'm on a TV show <laughs> Cool. Um, so yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm really excited to to chat. Amazing. So let's let's dive into that first meeting. So yeah, the first time I I sort of properly met Joe, I was I was under the influence, uh, <laughs> not of any alcoholic beverages, but of anaesthetic. <laughs> so we actually met in hospital. Would you believe we were both having a procedure? We were both going through a fertility journey, and we were both having an operation on the same day and we were literally in the beds next to each other so I just kind of remember coming to or just you sort of had your operation I think just before me yeah. and then I, so like you were coming to while the doctor was explaining things and you were so groggy and so I was kind of remembering what he was telling you and then you did the same for me and then I was like I think we need to meet for coffee so we can debrief like what the doctor actually said the one thing I remember and I don't even know whether this is like the reality but the one thing I remember is um you post um surgery <laughs> to the consultant that you liked his shirt well oh, right. in my head and I'm like she must still be under the influence because she's like popping in this doctor's shirt and it was like, like bright and merry tropical like yeah yeah like a Bermuda shirt almost yeah I, and I just remember that. Like, you. I just had a flashback of that that's hilarious that's yeah, yeah that's one thing that sticks in my mind yeah, so obviously we both we both were having sort of those procedures prior to commencing uh, IVF treatments, and so yeah, we both went through that journey. But you were really, I mean, you were a lifesaver for me during that time because you started your IVF before me, and you'd sort of went through that journey, and you know you're trying to figure out what what you're injecting where, why, or you know all the things. And I remember like bringing you up, being like, Jared, I've got it, like. Oh, what do I do and you were like so I mean you can see why you're learning and development manager because you're so patient at teaching and coaching people yeah I mean it was a wild time wasn't it when I think back to you know you spend all all these years not wanting to have a child um I mean, never you can try not to get pregnant and then suddenly you really want a child and like it was it was quite a, a shock when that wasn't sort of happening for me um and then I found out I had endometriosis which I, I never knew and that was then what led on to having the IVF so it was a completely wild time but I just remember thinking you know this this is my this is my shot this is my one shot of of getting you know my brother um and I just remember thinking right how can we make it I don't know if fun is the word for it but I remember like Clive like he would tend to be the nurse and he would do my injections for me um, oh my gosh this is exciting what a role play situation going on here <laughs> not, not the, the nurse role play he was expecting um <laughs> but all the same it, it that really helped me because I don't think I could have done the injections myself um so that really helped sort of take a bit of pressure off and you know when we went in for the uh, I can't even remember what it's called now when they put the embryo in you the, yeah, the transfer. transfer I remember we spent the night in London because it was at St Paul's wasn't it the clinic yeah we both had the clinic yeah and I just remember um we were like right let's get a hotel in London so we don't have to rush from you know get the train in the morning and be super stressed and so we I remember we went out for cheeky Nando's the night before and we did everything we could to just be as relaxed as possible for for that That's sort of so good and also because your first 
transfer was actually successful, which is quite rare. Yeah, we were really, really lucky. You know, we were we were we were so lucky, and I, you know, I know that's not the case for everybody. So, you know, I'm so so grateful that that little baby stayed with me, and I've got a gorgeous six and a half year old now. Um, but I remember you were a few weeks behind, weren't you? Yeah, I think it was three months apart from when I started because, yeah, and then. And, and we obviously had IVF for different reasons. And it's so funny looking back because at the time it's so all consuming, but now like going, that was like nearly, well, my, my daughter's nearly six. So that would have been seven years ago now, you know, yeah. maybe years ago I was pregnant, but seven years ago that I was going through that journey of discovering that we were also having difficulties and what that looked like. So for anyone who's listening to this or watching this right now and just thinks, like if you're in that place right now where it just all feels so overwhelming and so like all consuming, like Joe and I get it. Like we know what it's like to be in that place. And, and it's a very lonely place. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know everybody handles it differently. And I remember at the time, I remember my manager being incredible and my manager who I had a dotted line into also being incredible. They were the only two people in, in my workplace that I told because I didn't want all the questions and, oh, you'll be okay. It will work. I couldn't deal with that. So yeah, I was like, everyone thinks, oh, you're going to go for IVF. It's like, but people don't realize the statistics around IVF are like a 30, low. 30% chance. So it's yeah. like, you know, people would, people would say to me, oh, at least you can have IVF. I'm like, yeah, it's not punched me in the face. Like it's just, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not de facto that I'm going to get a child. Yeah, I, I literally, we, we were quite intentional with who we told. We didn't tell many people that we were going through the procedure, and that was just purely because I couldn't be dealing with um all the questions, and so we were just kind of we just kept it private. Our parents knew. My manager, I obviously had to. To tell because I had to you know every other day you're going for a scan or a blood no, test or so, it's so like time consuming all the and scans and the checks and the it takes over your life yeah it really does and you think what on me was I I thought that it would be something that, I don't know why I thought it because of course it goes in cycle with with your monthly period right but in my mind I was like just going to be like a process that takes a year and I'm like what was I thinking because you just I didn't know anything about yeah, it you know what? I think that's what surprised me is how little education there was about IVF and I know that that has changed quite dramatically in the yeah. last six years and and even the procedures and what they can do and everything and it's really quite incredible but I think what again like uh, what I thought IVF was is like yeah you, you you know you went in and they give you some drugs and they stimulated and you know they got eggs out and then they took the sperm and then they fertilized them and put them back what I hadn't anticipated I don't know about you was that when they put the sperm and the egg together and I know there's different versions, like we had ICSI, which is a process where they do that, where they actually kind of take yeah. do all the heavy lifting, as I, as I say, um, is that, you know, that was such a roll of the dice as to whether your eggs would even fertilize. Yes. I mean, literally the process of like in a normal, like when I say normal woman, like, you know, air quotes here, um, releases one egg a month and you're like, and some months they might not. And then you're like, and then for the sperm to hit it at that point to fertilize it for then to, I'm like, pregnancy is an absolute miracle because yeah, it blows my mind. then when you're going through IVF you're like all the moving parts that have to happen and so we weren't successful first time it was actually we had a fresh transfer which was a, a fresh egg and sperm that had fertilized then we had and I know you were similar you had a frozen embryos yeah. and they kind of get to day five at the blastocyst and then they freeze it and then they um 
transfer that back into you and I had one of those and that didn't work for me I know it didn't work for you um and then I had another fresh and I didn't get any frozen so I had like two full rounds but three cycles is the terminology you use so I had three and also what I didn't anticipate as well I don't know about you was that 10 day wait three times from putting the egg in and then waiting 10 days to have a blood test to see whether or not I was pregnant yeah that was that that 10 day wait oh my gosh I remember the phone I remember my manager I remember saying to my manager I'm gonna get the call today and then my phone go in I was in a meeting and I just couldn't concentrate on anything other than wait for my phone to go and I remember running out onto Kentonville Road which is like the, the, the where my office used to be and I remember that the nurse was so deadpan and I remember her telling me and I was so shocked because I didn't think it had worked because I didn't feel any different. Wow. And it just felt just, just didn't. I didn't yeah. I mean, you're barely, you're barely pregnant. Like it's. Yeah. Days. It like, was so, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. I don't know what, I didn't know what I would feel. Um, but I remember just almost going. <gasps> and I remember the nurse going. You imagine oh, being that nurse just to make those phone calls. Like, cause I obviously had two phone calls that said, I'm really sorry. It hasn't worked. Yeah. And obviously that is like a punch to the gut. And then I had the call to say, and I, and like you, I was like, right, it's not worked. That's it. We're selling a house, moving to Australia. We're going to be one of these childless couples. We're going to travel the world. Like, you know, that's so funny. Because Clive and I had spoken like that. We said, you know, if it doesn't work, it's not meant to be. At least we get loads of lovely holidays. And I wasn't prepared at that stage to do it again, because I was like, I don't know about you, but, and I, and I know that there are these stories of these women who do it like for 10 years and, you know, do all sorts. And, and and there are a lot of really fantastic options nowadays. Some of my friends have been out uh, abroad. They've been to Spain. They've had, you know, egg donation nowadays as a, as a really popular thing as well. Um, I think there was a real, for me, such a lack of education. And yeah, we're so fortunate that we were able to get our IVF through the NHS here in the UK. But you can absolutely see how, I mean, I was just sitting in that clinic and just seeing women come and just hand over their credit cards. I do you know what interestingly I stayed in touch when I went for the second time when we went to try and you know have the second and unfortunately didn't work um there was a lady that I got chatting to and two years later she she messaged me recently actually and bless her it's it's still not happened for her and I just I just it just hurt it just broke my heart because Clive and I made the actual conscious intentional decision that if that frozen one didn't work we weren't Mm -hmm. going to continue you know we're so grateful for what we have and we have incredible you know joyful little girl you know it was heartbreaking when that second one didn't didn't work so of course you want and you want you know that 2.4 um but you know it wasn't to be and we're okay with that now what we we were very very um adamant that we didn't want to we you know get get into that where it can become obsessive right and 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 I and and and, but then you like anything in life you get the like anomalies of say the stories where people go oh so and so tried for 10 years and they got their miracle and I was just in awe of that because I was like like the strength of going just even doing that for the the time that I did it like I didn't feel strong enough to keep going so I, I am in awe but I also think like don't even get me on my soapbox about the IVF clinics here in the UK and how it is the biggest business scamming, like 
shouldn't say that, but, um, but yeah, just really like trying to get people's money and it's, it's such a, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. Like us women, vulnerable women are going in there and, and maybe, you know, for whatever reason you might've been, I mean, for, for me, I, I didn't, start trying to have a baby until I was 31 because I felt like oh I had to get my career to a certain point blah 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 blah, before I could step away and then started trying at 31 and only had my daughter at 34 and then they kept saying to me oh but you're so young and I'm like yeah but everyone has a different path and a different journey and yeah it's difficult isn't it yeah and yeah it is it was it's so bizarre because it was back in 2015 wasn't it so it feels like a lifetime ago and there's some things that I remember really vividly and there's other things that when when I went back when we went to use the the frozen one um I'd forgotten so much I thought it was gonna be a walk I remember you saying and we were trying to piece it together and we were like oh that because you were going through that and yeah. And I think what you were saying there about being really grateful for what you have. And I know, you know, with both of us having only children and but isn't it funny how society it's like, I don't know about your experience, but for me, when, you know, we we got married like at 25 and we only started trying at 31. So there was a long time that we were married and people yeah. were like, when are you having kids? And then obviously yeah. we went through IVF and we had our daughter, Jessie. And then it was like, when you're having a second. And it's like, yeah. do people even realize like how intrusive these questions are. And I understand that it's just, you know, people making conversation and that, but, and, and the amount of people that then said to me after I'd had Jesse, oh, well, you never know now that your body's had your baby. Like they say that, you know, you can just fall pregnant naturally, but, you know, and then when people do have the audacity to say that to, to me, I do say, well, actually I did fall pregnant naturally and I had a miscarriage. And then that kind of like shuts them down and they're like, Oh, and I'm like, so I've had that double whammy of having had a miscarriage and having gone through IVF. So I feel like, yeah, I I just just think if anything about this episode, we can just maybe get people to think a bit more about what we say to other women. And you know what? Don't just don't. (laughs) If in doubt, say nothing. Um, Because just like if you see a woman with a big stomach, don't say when you when are you due. Like. Do it, just don't do it. <laughs> and like it's you know, you don't just you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Some people choose not to have children because they don't want to have children. Some people don't have to justify exactly that it, whatever you choose is is fabulous, you know. And I just think it's such but I loved what you said there about keeping who you told, and we did the same. We just kept a very tight circle of people around us to support us. I think that was just to protect myself and, and Clive more than anything. You know, we can only we can't control what happens. Essentially, there was things that we did, of course, and but we can control. You know, like the amount of people we sort of tell, so that will then control the kind of questions that we get. Um, we can control our sort of mindset with it. So we try to make it a bit jovial, in you know, which was bonkers, really, because it was a really. Um, it was going to probably be a little bit of a TMI share, but it's hilarious now when we tell the story about, um, you know, going for IVF and, and like, it still floors me. And he gets the dirtiest look from me. And when my husband goes, yeah. And it was so embarrassing when I had to like go in the room and like do my, do my part. And I'm like looking at him as if to say, 
oh yeah, because having my legs in stirrups and three doctors staring down my vajayjay wasn't about <laughs> like, like let's, you know. Perspective. That's he, he also had some really niche material in his cubicle, which he was like, um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah you, you do have to find the humor in the process because if not, as you say, you'll go, you'll go a bit dilly bonkers with it all. I think that's our coping mechanism for me and Clive. Yeah. Find, find the humor in things. Yeah, but I do remember like waking up from the final transfer, like when obviously they sedate you and then they insert the eggs and and whatnot. Oh no, that's sorry, when they took the eggs out the third time and that was obviously one of those eggs would have been was soon to be Jesse. But um I remember waking up from that like procedure and just bursting into tears because I was in pain and just saying to to Barry, I'm never doing this again. Like I was so done. It's you, your body, your body, it's yeah, I just it's, in, it's invasive. He must have felt seeing me go through all of that. And then they had to watch us do childbirth. So moving <laughs> on from the IVF, obviously, with your story, and I and I really hope if 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 like this episode is triggering anybody in terms of like what we're sharing. I mean, my hope is really I feel through sharing vulnerably with you about our experiences, this will give you either some understanding or you know the opportunity to go away and research or support a friend who's going through this. Like that is my hope with this. Um, but yes, obviously I want to make sure that people are supported. Um, Cause this is, you know, this is hard stuff to talk about. I know. Yeah. As you say, some of it feels so fresh and others of it feel so distant from, um, but obviously then like you think you have, you got pregnant, got your baby on the way. And then what happened, Joe? <laughs> so yeah so we kept everything quiet we waited until the 12 weeks so it was safe to sort of start telling people um had the most incredible pregnancy um it looked amazing a little bit of nausea but that was it as soon as I got to Houston station and got a bacon butty down me I was so the nausea went um so I just stopped reading the newspaper and like magazines and stuff on the train going into work um but yeah so everything was brilliant we went on a baby moon to Seville lovely lovely um and I remember this day crystal clear because we'd been to mother care that day and we'd been joking about hospital bags oh what week do you have to get your hospital bag ready I was like oh we've got ages yet just like 28 minutes because you're following the checklist and you're like yeah and like you know we've got, we've got loads of time and I remember it was a Sunday and Clive had been out the day before because he had a friend over from Singapore so he'd been out of all his boy mates so he was a little bit tender but he was cooking a roast dinner I was watching Marley and me um I got oh. up to go to the bathroom and felt this gush of liquid legged it to the bathroom thinking oh my god what is this and it was it was clear it was like water but I was 28 weeks at this point and I was like it shouldn't be happening. So obviously freak out. Five, five, five. Um, so we ring one, one, one. We didn't know what else to do. We ring one, one, one. Um, and then um, they were like, right, just just get to hospital. So we went straight to hospital. Long story short, so my waters had broken. Um, and when your waters break, usually that's an indication that you're going to go into labour. So they monitored me for the next 48 hours. They stuck this injection in my bum um and it was I can't remember what it was now but basically it's to support the baby's lungs if the baby comes up early steroids steroid does it yeah. yeah and they're like it's gonna hurt we have to do one now and one in 12 hours and it's like a bee sting I remember that crystal clear um but they kept me in hospital and they were checking me I 
needle pricks in me and all sorts. It can um, be really dangerous because obviously the amniotic fluid is what protects the baby. So if yes, yes, the baby has nothing. Baby's prone to infection, so yeah. you have to monitor that. But equally, yeah. that keep the baby in as long as possible, so that yes. you know. Because for anyone who's maybe listening to this, like obviously twenty eight weeks, you when you think of a gestation period being forty weeks, now you're twelve weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so they, you know, it was it was really really emotional because they were like, right, we need to keep baby in for as long as possible. That's the safest place. But at the same time, yeah. you're not in any any fluid anymore, so you're prone to infection. So literally, every so they're other, trying to keep baby safe but keep you safe. But yeah, because they've got a duty of care to keep mum safe too. Mm-hmm. So there, I had I, I had blood tests like every few hours. They were checking the water because I was still leaking. Um, but they Amelia stayed in me for near on another two weeks. So she ended up being born at 30 weeks. So she managed to stay in me for two more weeks, which it, it sounds like a short space of time, but actually for to be in hospital. It's, it's but you know what? It those two weeks made such a difference. She came out, she was three pounds two. They told me they prepped me that I wouldn't be able to hold her because she had to go straight to um Niku. Um, but she came out and she had this little squeak. And they put her on my chest, literally for a split second. And all I remember is, Clive, Mum, take a photo, take a photo. But they prepped us that we wouldn't be able to do it, so we didn't have a camera, so we didn't get that photo. Oh, no. Um, Clive had been Clive is a wind up, right? And so he'd been that day to get me hospital stuff because I was in hospital. I was like, I just need like stuff, and I gave birth in a t-shirt that said, "I like drinking diet coke out of a bottle." I was like, are you absolutely kidding me? And I still get up to get the t-shirt. And he was like, oh, you should have seen what I was going to buy you. Um, so, oh, you know, we, we, it, it but is way to keep the humour going. Oh, I love gosh. it. But what yeah, so we were really lucky. Time. I remember visiting you in hospital, trying to think how old Amelia, well, how many weeks old she would have been. Um, and she was so tiny. But you yeah. literally kept vigil. I mean, you had this routine. Yes. Yes. So routine is so important. So it wasn't what we planned, but you can only control what you can control. Right. So she was three pounds two when she was born, which the consultant said, actually, for that gestation is a good weight. So you've done you've been feeding her well, mum. So I was like, boom. And then the nurses were like, look, what you can do that we can't is give her your milk. So I remember these little syringes that the milk I'd sort of expressing to in those early days and that made me feel like I was doing something because you felt so helpless helpless um but I created a routine so you know the nurses said like you're no good staying here 24 hours you need your energy you Mm. need to be expressing at night and so on and so forth go home sleep come in so what I got into a routine of doing is obviously I've been working hadn't I so I was used to routine getting up going to London coming back so I just adapted it was my new normal so I would get up super early in the morning I would walk to the hospital because we were still living um in Watford at the time we weren't too far from the hospital um I'd cut through the shopping center I'd buy myself a nutritious lunch I'd get all my snacks that I needed for the day um which stopped me from sort of going to the hospital canteen and you know don't get me wrong there was a chicken shop across the road which I did go to a couple of times with a couple yeah of um because why not right um and yeah and I would just stay there from like eight o'clock till about seven did o'clock you, did you do the kangaroo care did all of that yeah yeah that was emotional so anyone is, that's when you put like the baby skin, to skin. skin to skin yeah and I just remember she was so small and she just she squeaked like a mouse she was like a little mouse 
Um, but then, yeah, then Clive, because you was only allowed two people in at a time. So it, I would be there all day. Then, of course, the Clive self-employed, so he would still have to work and it was really hard for him. But he would come as soon as, you know, he was able to finish. Um, and then you were allowed visitors, but it was like one in, one out. You couldn't have loads in. I was and, only able to come and visit once in that time. But it was, it. I was obviously pregnant when I was, when I came in to visit you. And obviously... Oh, it's just, I mean, did you ever feel like, seriously, are you freaking kidding me? Do you know what? I always remember this one day because Amelia got a, an infection. So she had to be put in isolation, which, it, you know, was really scary at the time. And the nurses obviously know exactly what that means. So they're trying to reassure you. But in your mind, you've never experienced this policy. Like isolation, what's wrong? But it's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I remember this one day sat in that isolation room, just like with no other mums around me to talk to. Because before in the open plan space with all the incubators, you could chat to the other mums. And I've made some, like some of my best mum friends through that time in the pumping room, by incubators. But in this isolation room, I, you know, don't ever do this. I got onto Google you know started googling google (laughs) and that was the day that i broke down and i always remember this nurse coming in and she was lovely her name was poppy and she was like do not do that your daughter is unique she is not the same as any other child stop get off like stop it and she really like made me sort of go no you're you're right this is not helping so that was probably the day that the, the one time where i kind of got myself in that scroll hole of like you know, will this happen? Will this happen? Will will she be able to do this? Will she be able to do that? But the, the nurse was amazing. She gave me a big hug, and I was just like, oh. also, you've got to remember, you know, when you give birth, and then all the hormones, your hormones are going wild. So you get like that happens, you know, anyway. So it was almost like heightened because I was in in the hospital. So not only did I have all those hormones pump in, like all mums, new mums have. Um, it was just a different environment. I wasn't at home on the sofa huddling with those hormones going wild. I was you know, having to go home at night and wake up to a blooming breast pump. You know, <laughs> nobody likes waking up in the night, but waking up to a breast pump is not the one. Um, yeah. But you know, I just, I just, got, just get through it. I, just, I think people always say in these situations, "Oh, you're so strong. I don't know how you do it." And like I you just do it. You don't. You don't have a choice. You just. You have to. So you get. I was like. It. Yeah, I. How could I have been the best parent to Amelia if I'd fallen apart? And I know that's you know I know that you know everybody's different, and I managed it myself. You know I can't speak for everybody, but for myself personally, I was I just made sure that I was getting as best sleep as I could. Circumstances, you know, considered, I was you know making sure I was you know eating as well as I could, and just staying in that routine, and just thinking as positive possible as positively as possible and focusing on all, all the positive points that the consultant was telling us every day. And do you feel like you've processed that period? Yeah, I do. I do. I don't, I don't ever refer to Amelia anymore as like, I mean, oh, you look at her, she's incredible. You wouldn't be able to tell that she was no. in any way, shape or form. She's healthy. Yeah. Life, full of beans. Like it's, amazing. yeah, she's absolutely thriving. And I don't even, yeah I don't even associate yeah it's it's funny like in the first couple of years they go by their it's really confusing you have like yeah, their due exactly. date and their actual date and yeah and it you know it takes and that's two why years. At the start I was really weird guys where so I was confusing. Like, well, she's supposed to be three months older but she's actually six months older than Jessie yeah. So like yeah yeah and she was obviously very little in the early days because 
she had to catch up. Oh, by the time, four. yeah, by by the time they get to like the age of two, they've, they've been really caught up. So you stay under consultant care for those first couple of years. You see your consultant, and they just check and everything's okay. And we were really, really lucky that that Touchwood, you know, she's been a little diamond. Um, and you yeah. two are so sweet. You're like little besties. The way you go, she around. is my absolute yeah. bestie. But like, like you and Jesse, right? I but I, I just think, again there's just such a, a newfound appreciation like when you've been through journeys like we've been through and I think you know it's why I'm that mom like I put a post up on social the other day where I was like my journey to motherhood was not an easy one which is why I celebrate the milestones hard <laughs> because oh. like for me it's just everything like I just wanted to be a mom so bad and there was a time when I didn't know that that would be the case and I just think yeah yeah it is the best thing and she is my little bestie and it's so cool now isn't it they're at an age now where you can actually hang out with them oh and God. so much sass so they're much just sass. yeah yeah my yeah. husband said to me he's like she is you yeah. <laughs> and my mom obviously living with us is just like smiling and I'm just going <laughs> hey, she's, like, she's yeah she's totally she's like <laughs> like totally getting your own back but now um Gosh, I know like there's two very heavy topics we've covered there, premature birth, IVF, but moving it's on to happy the, ending. Like, the happy stuff and like, and obviously, you know, it's all had a happy ending, but just talk us through kind of your, like from that point, like, cause you've been through a sort of a real transformation journey off the back of that. Yes. So talk us through that health journey. Cause this is obviously the healthy and thriving career mom's podcast. Yes. And, you know, you've got a career, you know, you're very proactive with your health. So just talk to me a little bit about that so happy ending with with the bubba um fast forward to maternity leave sort of coming to an end going back to work and I'll be honest with you I just did not feel like my best self and I just if anything it was I felt sluggish and went back to work and I just didn't, didn't have a I didn't feel sparkly like before um and I guess long story short, you know, I reached out to you because I saw you hopping, skipping and jumping. <laughs> I was like, what is she doing? That I am not. I need some of this, whatever it is. Um, and that's where, really, you introduced me to my journey to health, if you like. Um, you know, in my 20s, I thought I was probably healthy, but I wasn't. I did bonkers things like, you know crazy calorie counting all sorts of stuff to look a certain way um but actually it was more than that my journey to where I am today has been more than just the way I look it's been like my energy how I feel um my sleep all, all of that stuff that I think in my younger years I didn't really take into consideration and it's only as I've gotten older that I realized the, the holistic approach yes. to it, you know and I know that doesn't mean like woo woo you know like it just means because no, I always, like my clients, I want to look at things holistically I want to look at your sleep and your stress and yeah your eating and everything you know yeah so it started off with um doing the Arbon 30 days to healthy living so that really kick-started something in me because I was like wow this is incredible like you know, unlearning and learning you know it was just I was you know I'll be honest I was been like is this gonna do anything like because I've done so many other things in the past but mm. the thing the, the penny dropped moment for me is when I went out to dinner with two of my girlfriends um and they commented on my skin 
and I was like oh my gosh like nobody ever comments on my skin um, it focuses on weight loss for things and I'm like yeah. my energy and skin and yeah. yeah weight loss is a great byproduct if that's what you need it to be but it's yeah. you know, so much more healthy you know healthy living is so much more than just the size that you are yes so it was I, I had this energy that I've never experienced before so when I went away for my uh, brother-in-law's wedding in Greece I was like um, I felt confident you know I just felt my sleep had improved so many good things came from those 30 days that then kind of almost like um lit, lit a fire in me I guess to continue like why after 30 days would I not want to continue with what I had learned so yeah, those healthy like, habits like yeah that's the start I always say to people like you start in the container of 30 days just because I think as humans we need like a start and an end don't we like we need to know like you don't want it to be like oh in 180 days time you know yeah 30 days I feel like it's quite manageable isn't it to be like right yeah change your life and then as you say take those habits and carry on absolutely and And it's been like what four years four years five yeah dating it there five years but I mean, you're so healthy and thriving and you've got this amazing community and you've become so well known in your community for like all your recipes. And honestly, that's I didn't really like, I did cook before, but not really. Um, oh, you know, I'd say like you're such a little chef now. now. I love it. Things. Yeah, I love cooking. I created some incredible very habits cooking though you don't do like anything I simple keep it simple no faff you know easy but tasty and mm-hmm. nutritious so it's a win-win-win because who's got time to faff no. who wants to eat bland food no. but who does want nutritious food yeah so yeah the 2018 that first days just transformed me lit a fire in me I've been consistent over that time I am still human followed the 80 20 rule so you know life is about balance so of course I will still live life um but actually who is it I can't remember who said it it's what you do the most that counts and that really stuck your habits are what you do most of the time and that's that's what I that's why I see myself first and foremost as a healthy habits coach because I'm you know and I think sometimes it's like we know the things that we need to do but it's like we need a coach to help us understand why it is that we're not doing the things that we need to do and I think that's yeah. it's getting so to the root core isn't yeah. it and it's a real mindset shift really it's taken yeah. away that Definitely. what we've learned in our younger years you know what we used to see in the media you know if you think about mm. magazines back in the day awful people were body shamed poor celebrities just a bad angle all that fed into our brains which is of course why a lot of people really focus on the way they look I guess because of what we've been fed subconsciously so it is a lot of unlearning to do and changing that mindset that is so much more than what you look like it's like how you, feel. how you feel you sleeping well you know what your energy level's like all of that stuff is really really important and it's impacted in because you obviously have a very full plate now I mean obviously you work full-time but you've also been undertaking your coaching qualification as well yeah so just tell yeah. us quickly about that so I embarked on that last October, so close to the end. <laughs> you ask any of my work colleagues and they'll, they'll, they'll tell you. Everyone's like, I can't wait till she's finished. <laughs> and so especially, yeah, but I've got a colleague that's doing it with me. And it's been, it's, it's been hard enough, but it's been so satisfying as well. And, you know, the coaches that I've been supporting um, along the journey, they've provided such wonderful feedback, which has really been brilliant for me to know that, you know, 
you know, power supporting them is, is, is helping them um so yeah I'm really excited to to finish that qualification coach Joe coach into the endpoint assessment um now so that's just collating all the, the portfolio and then revising and all that fun stuff I feel like I'm very excited you've worked so hard you deserve it right to finish off today we are going to do a quick fire round of questions for you okay Um, so you've got no notice of this and I'm just gonna hit you up and then you have to just answer the first thing that comes on the top of your head as quickly as you can favorite movie ever oh gosh I nearly swore then um (laughs) that's a hard question um I there's a which is gonna sound really random um there's a film called Collateral um with Tom Cruise yeah <laughs> it's a film that I can watch over and over again I love those films I think everyone's got to have some of those my my, my besties has gone in 60 seconds and she's she loves that one it's yeah it's so weird because Tom Cruise plays a badass and I know he does a Mission Impossible but he plays a baddie he's an assassin and that's yeah. so not Tom Cruisey right and yeah. he just he's got swag I don't know, and Jamie Foxx is brilliant in it. See, I just, he does not do it for me well, at he's, all. I'm not a massive, like, fan of his, but I just like the fact that he's not how he normally is in other films, okay. in this film. And it's a tense film. I've heard of this film, but I've not watched it. So It's I really old. It. It's really yeah, old. It's really but old. It's, well, I know it is, but I need to go watch it. Right, favourite song that gets you, like, in the mood, kitchen dance party style, like that I, comes on and you're just like, I gotta dance. Do you know what? I do... I love all genres of music, but I do love a bit of house. I love dance music. So something like uh, like Groove Armada, Super Styling, that yes. is a tune. And it reminds me of one of my yeah. besties who lives in Australia. So whenever I hear it, I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do love dance music. It is my favorite and country, like very, I know they're very different, yeah. but I love it. It just gets me in the mood. Okay, favorite tipple, drink. <laughs> I I would probably say a glass of bubbles. Um, champagne <laughs> but most of the time it'll be Prosecco but champagne is the, 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 the preferred, is is the preferred. The, fair enough yeah, that's a lovely treat uh favorite album product well there's three it's the green shop which is made up of three components so you've got health skin elixir and your superfood greens but that is my non-negotiable every single every day every single day every love single it day. so good you always share that on your story love it Right, your quick, best, easy, fave, go-to supper that you can just like whip up with no kind of thought. You just do it, get it done for the family, go. Um, spaghetti bolognese. So Got what I do with that though is I batch cook tomato sauce um, once a month. And so I add, so the tomato sauce got hidden veg in it. So it's whisked up. And then I add, I just take it out of the freezer and then I just cook mince and do all the other bits. That's too quick. And you do a lot of plant-based cooking as well. Like I know you're not yes. veggie, but you do eat a very plant-based diet. I do. And that, that that's really easy as well. So if you don't want to get food poisoning, plant-based is your, is, is your winner. You can throw everything in a pot. No, if you like sort of spices and flavors, just, just go wild and just make whatever. And it's so easy and it's so nutritious and filling and you can freeze it. I make lots of big one pots that I just yeah, throw you're a one, I call you Joe, the one pot wonder. You are love it queen of it right final thing your top top tip for busy working mums like what is your go-to tip um well my friends call me monica so i would say organization prep and plan so i'm really big on writing lists um especially like with with amelia and i can imagine if you've you know got 
a, a massive household, lists would be even more important. But mm-hmm. you know, just things like knowing what, knowing that the school uniform's ready for the next day, you know, knowing what you're going to do for breakfast, knowing that you've got the stuff in the house to do the breakfast, and mm-hmm. you know, knowing or having an idea of what you're going to make for dinner. Just, just planning. Mm-hmm. Are you big on meal planning then? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, no, no way. I never knew that. <laughs> no, it is, and I think that again, that's from learning from yourself, from the community. You know, all of that good stuff that I've learned over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's why true. you love our habit tracker because you love ticking, like you love ticking things off a list. Very satisfying. <laughs> Very it. satisfying. If I've simple. got a new resource, I'm like, Joe, can you test this out? She's like, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yes. it is, it's the simple things that make me very happy. Simple things that make me happy. Oh, I love a little list tick. Well, I know there has been a chocker block episode today and we have covered a lot of information there, but I really hope that that has been super useful for you. And yeah, if any of those, what I will do is is aim to link some resources in the show notes for you around premature birth, around IVF. Again, like things have moved on so much since Joe and I went through it, but you know, if we you know, it's, it's, it's all part of the journey. I feel that journey of motherhood. And I really want to be raw and real with you about, you know, stuff that, that we as a community face stuff, I face stuff that, you know, other moms have faced. And so, yeah, I hope that his has touched you um, in some way today. And if you have any questions, do reach out to us on the DMs. Joe, what's the best way for people to find you? Uh, Instagram is probably the, the quickest love way. A bit of What's your, what's your Instagram handle? It's Jobo1881. Were you born in 1981? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> and I created that little logo when I was 18. It's the Jobo1881. And it's never it. since. I love it. Jobo is my nickname. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today and all your top no, tips. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see everything that comes from you in the future. Thank you for having me. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. I am so grateful for you. If this episode has resonated, make sure you visit wendygriffith.co.uk to discover more of my content and my fantastic free resources to support you in thriving. Or if you'd like to continue the conversation further, drop me a DM via Instagram at wendygriffithlivehealthy. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep thriving. Keep thriving.